0: Enniad Six, Book Seven, Part Three, by Plotinus, translated by Kenneth Sylvan Guthrie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. B. A study of the good. All souls are united by their highest with intelligence shining down from the peak they form. 15. Who, then, will be able to contemplate this multiple and universal life, primary and one, without being charmed therewith, and without scorning every other kind of life? For our lives here below, that are so weak, impotent, incomplete, whose impurity soils other lives can be considered as nothing but tenebrous as soon as you consider these lives you no longer see the others you no longer live with these other lives in which everything is living which are relieved of all impurity and of all contact with evil indeed evil reigns here below only here where we have but a trace of intelligence and of the intelligible life on the contrary in the intelligible world exists that archetype which is beneficent which possesses the form of good as says plato because it possesses good by the forms that is by the ideas indeed the absolute good is something different from the intelligence which is good only because its life is passed in contemplating the good the objects contemplated by intelligence are the essences which have the form of good and which it possesses from the moment it contemplates the good intelligence receives the good not such as the good is in itself but such as intelligence is capable of receiving it the good is indeed the supreme principle from the good therefore intelligence derives its perfection to the good intelligence owes its begetting of all the intelligible entities on the one hand intelligence could not consider the good without thinking it on the other it must not have seen in the good the intelligible entities otherwise intelligence itself could not have begotten them thus intelligence has from the good received the power to beget and to fill itself with that which it has begotten the good does not himself possess the things which he thus donates for he is absolutely one and that which has been given to intelligence is manifold incapable in its plenitude to embrace and in its unity to possess the power it was receiving intelligence split it up thus rendering it manifold so as to possess it at least in fragments thus everything begotten by intelligence proceeds from the power derived from the good and bears its form as intelligence itself is good and as it is composed of things that bear the form of good it is a varied good the reader may be assisted in forming a conception of it by imagining a variegated living sphere or a composite of animated and brilliant faces or again imagine pure souls pure and complete in their essence all united by their highest faculties and then universal intelligence seated on this summit and illuminating the whole intelligible region in this simile the reader who imagines it considers it as something outside of himself. But to contemplate intelligence one has to become intelligence, and then give oneself a panorama of oneself. Intelligence contains all things that are conformed to the good. 16. Instead of stopping at this multiple beauty, it must be abandoned to rise to the good, the supreme principle by reasoning not according to the nature of our world but according to that of the universal intelligence we should with astonishment ask ourselves which is the principle that has begotten it and how it did so each one of the essences contained in the intelligence is a particular form and somehow has its own type as their common characteristic is to be assimilated to the good, the consequence is that intelligence contains all the things conformable to the good. It possesses therefore the essence which is in all things. It contains all the animals, as well as the universal life within them, and all the rest. The good is not only the cause of being, but its intuition as well why must these things be considered as goods when considered from this point of view the solution of this problem may be arrived at from the following consideration when for the first time intelligence contemplated the good this its contemplation split the good's unity into multiplicity though itself were a single being, this its thought divided the unity because of its inability to grasp it in its entirety. To this it may be answered that intelligence was not yet such the first time it contemplated the good. Did it, then, contemplate the good without intelligence? Intelligence did not yet see the good, but intelligence dwelt near it was dependent on it, and was turned towards it. Having arrived at its fullness, because it was operating on high, and was trending towards the good, the movement of intelligence itself led it to its fullness. Since then it was no longer a single movement, but a movement perfect and complete. It est became all things and possessing self-consciousness it recognized that itself was all things it thus became intelligence which possesses its fullness so as to contain what it should see and which sees by the light that it receives from him from whom it derives what it sees that is why the good is said to be not only the cause of being but rather the cause of the vision of being as for sense objects the sun is the cause that makes them exist and renders them visible as it is also the cause of vision and as however the sun is neither the vision nor the visible objects likewise the good is the cause of being and of intelligence it is a light in respect of the beings that are seen, and the intelligence that sees them. But it is neither the beings nor the intelligence. It is only their cause. It produces thought by shedding its light on the beings, and on intelligence. It is thus that intelligence has arrived to fullness, and, that on arriving at fullness, it has become perfect and has seen. That which preceded its fullness is its principle. But it has another principle, which is the good, which is somewhat exterior to it, and which gave it its fullness, and while giving it this fullness, impressed on it the form of itself the good. All is intelligence, but this is differentiated into universal and individual. 17. How can these beings exist within intelligence, and constitute it, if they were neither in that which has given, nor in that which has received this fullness, Since before receiving its fullness from the good, intelligence had not yet received these beings it is not necessary that a principle should itself possess what it gives in intelligible things it suffices to consider the giver superior and the receiver inferior that giving and receiving is the content of generation in the order of veritable beings what occupies the front rank must be in actualization posterior things must be in potentiality of what precedes them. What occupies the front rank is superior to what occupies the second rank. The giver, likewise, is superior to the gift, because it is better. If, then, there be a principle anterior to actualization, it must be superior both to actualization and to life and because it gave life to intelligence, it is more beautiful, still more venerable, than life. Thus intelligence received life, without necessity for the principle from which it received life, having had to contain any variety. Life is the impress of him who gave it, but it is not his life. When intelligence glanced towards him, it was indeterminate. As soon as it fixed its glance on him it was determined by him although he himself had no determination as soon indeed as intelligence contemplated the one intelligence was determined by him and from him it received its determination limit and form the form exists in the receiver the giver has none of it this determination has not been imposed from without on intelligence, as is the case for the limit imposed on some magnitude. It is the determination characteristic of that life which is universal, multiple, and infinite, because it has radiated from the supreme nature. That life was not yet the life of any particular principle, otherwise it would have been determined as an individual life nevertheless it has been determined and by virtue of that determination it is the life of a multiple unity each one of the things that constitute its multiplicity has likewise been determined indeed life has been determined as multiplicity of beings because of its own multiplicity as unity because of the very determination it has received what has been determined as unity intelligence because it is the determined life what was determined as multiplicity the multiplicity of intelligences everything therefore is intelligence only the intelligence that is one is universal while the intelligences which form multiplicity are individual multiplicity of intelligences implies their mutual differences if universal intelligence comprises all the individual intelligences might not the latter all be identical no for then there would be but one of them the multiplicity of the intelligences implies therefore a difference between them but how does each differ from the others its difference resides in its being one for there is no identity between the universal intelligence and any particular intelligence thus in intelligence life is universal power the vision which emanates from it is the power of all things and then intelligence itself when it is formed manifests all these things to us he who is seated above all of them is their principle though they do not serve him as foundation for on the contrary he is the foundation of the form of the first forms without himself having any forms in respect to the soul intelligence plays the part that the first plays in respect to intelligence intelligence sheds its light on the soul and to determine her rationalizes her by communicating that of which itself is the trace the intellect therefore is the trace of the first and while it is a form which develops in plurality the first has no shape nor form so as to give form to all the rest. If itself were a form, intelligence would be nothing more than the reason, the soul. That is why the first could not have contained any multiplicity. Otherwise its multiplicity itself would have had to be traced to some superior principle. Life intelligence and idea bear the form of the good eighteen in what respects do the entities which are contained by intelligence seem to bear the form of the good is it because each of them is a form or because each is beautiful or perhaps for some other reason all that proceeds from the good bears its characteristics or impressions, or at least bears something derived from it, just as that which is derived from the fire bears a trace of the fire, and as that which is derived from sweetness somehow betrays it. Now that which in intelligence is derived from the good is life, for life is born from the actualization of the good, and from him again is derived the beauty of forms therefore all these things life intelligence and idea will bear the form of good this form of the good may however exist at varying degrees but what element is common to them it does not suffice for them to proceed from the good to have something identical they must also have some common characteristic. For a same principle may give rise to different things. Or again, one and the same thing may become different while passing from the giving principle into the receivers. For there is a difference between that which constitutes the first actualization, and that which is given thereby. Thus that, which is in the things of which we speak, is already different. Nothing hinders the characteristic of all these things in life, intelligence and idea, from being the form of good. But this form exists at different degrees in each of them. Intelligence and life are only different degrees of the same reality, in which of these things does the form of the good inhere in the highest degree? The solution of this problem depends on the following one. Is life a good merely as such, even if it were life pure and simple? Should we not rather limit that word life to the life which derives from the good, so that mere proceeding from the good be a sufficient characterization of life? what is the nature of this life is it the life of the good no life does not belong to the good it only proceeds therefrom if the characteristic of life be proceeding from the good and if it be real life evidently the result would be that nothing that proceeds from the good would deserve scorn that life as life should be considered good that the same condition of affairs obtains with the primary and veritable intelligence and that finally each form is good and bears the form of good in this case each of these life intelligence and idea possess a good which is either common or different or which is of a different degree since we have admitted that each of the above-mentioned things contains a good in its being then it is good chiefly because of this good thus life is a good not in so far as it is merely life but in so far as it is real life and proceeds from the good intelligence likewise is a good so far as it essentially is intelligence there is therefore some common element in life and intelligence indeed when one and the same attribute is predicated of different beings although it form an integral part of their being it may be abstracted therefrom by thought thus from man and horse may be abstracted, animal, from water and fire, heat. But what is common in these beings is a genus, while what is common in intelligence and life is one and the same thing which inheres in one in the first degree and in the other in the second. Is the word good a common label or a common quality? Is it by a mere play on words that life, intelligence, and ideas are called good? Does the good constitute their being, or is each good taken in its totality? Good could not constitute the being of each of them. Are they, then, parts of the good? The good, however, is indivisible. The things that are beneath it are good for different reasons. The primary actualization that proceeds from the good is good. Likewise, the determination it receives is good, and the totality of both things is good. The actualization is good because it proceeds from the good. The determination because it is a perfection that has emanated from the good and the combination of actualization and determination because it is their totality all these things thus are derived from one and the same principle but nevertheless they are different thus in a choric ballet the voice and the step proceed from one and the same person in that they are all perfectly regulated now they are well-regulated because they contain order and rhythm what then is the content in the above-mentioned things that would make them good but perhaps it may be objected that if the voice and step are well-regulated each one of them entirely owes it to some external principle since the order is here applied to the things that differ from each other on the contrary the things of which we speak are each of them good in itself and why are they good it does not suffice to say that they are good because they proceed from the good doubtless we shall have to grant that they are precious from the moment that they proceed from the good but reason demands that we shall determine that of which their goodness consists good cannot be a desire of the soul nineteen shall the decision of what is good be entrusted to the desire of the soul if we are to trust this affection of the soul we shall be declaring that whatever is desirable for her is good but we would not be seeking why the good is desired thus while we use demonstrations to explain the nature of every entity we would be trusting to desire for the determination of the good such a proceeding would land us in several absurdities first the good would only be an attribute then since our soul has several desires and each of the latter has different objects we would not be able to decide which of these objects would be the best according to desire it would be impossible to decide what would be better before we know what is good no need to seek the cause of good as in the intelligible the cause coincides with the nature shall we then define the good as the virtue characteristic of each being as say the stoics in this case by strictly following the course of dialectics we would reduce the good to being a form and a reason but having arrived there what should we answer if we were asked on what grounds these things themselves are good in imperfect things it seems easy to distinguish the good even though it be not pure but in intelligible things we may not immediately succeed in discovering the good by comparison with the inferior things as there is no evil on high in the intelligible world and as excellent things exist in themselves we find ourselves embarrassed Perhaps we are embarrassed only because we seek the cause, whiness, of the good, whereas the cause, whiness, is here identical with the nature, whatness, as intelligible entities are good in themselves. Nor would we have solved the problem if we were to assign some other cause of the good, such as the divinity, to which our reason has not yet forced us to repair however we cannot retire and we must seek to arrive by some other road to something satisfactory pythagorean oppositions are also worthless as explanations of good twenty since therefore we have given up desires as forms in the determination of the nature and quality of the good, shall we have recourse to other rules, such as, for instance, the Pythagorean oppositions, such as order and disorder, proportion and disproportion, health and sickness, form and formlessness, being and destruction, consistence and its lack who indeed would hesitate to attribute to the form of good those characteristics which constitute the first member of each of these opposition pairs if so the efficient causes of these characteristics will also have to be traced to the good for virtue life intelligence and wisdom are comprised within the form of good as being things desired by the soul that is wise good not defined by intelligence as the soul has other aspirations it will further be suggested by followers of aristotle that we stop at intelligence predicating goodness of it for life and soul are images of intelligence it is to intelligence that the soul aspires it is according to intelligence that the soul judges it is on intelligence that the soul regulates herself when she pronounces that justice is better than injustice in preferring every kind of virtue to every kind of vice and in holding in high estimation what she considers preferable unfortunately the soul does not aspire to intelligence exclusively as might be demonstrated in a long discussion intelligence is not the supreme goal to which we aspire and not everything aspires to intelligence whilst everything aspires to the good the beings which do not possess intelligence do not all seek to possess it while those who do possess it do not limit themselves to it intelligence is sought only as the result of a train of reasoning, whilst good is desired even before reason comes into play. If the object of desire be to live, to exist always, and to be active, this object is not desired because of intelligence, but because of its being good, inasmuch as the good is its principle and its goal it is only in this respect that life is desirable the good is intelligence and primary life twenty one what then is the one and only cause to whose presence is due the goodness of life intelligence and idea let us not hesitate to say intelligence and primary life bear the form of good it is on this account alone that they are desirable they bear the form of good in this respect that the primary life is the actualization of the good or rather the actualization that proceeds from the good and that intelligence is determination of this actualization intelligence and primary life are fascinating and the soul seeks them because they proceed from the good nevertheless the soul aspires to them only because they fit her and not because they are good in themselves on the other hand the soul could not disdain them because they bear the form of good though we can disdain something even though it be suitable to us if it be not a good besides it is true that we permit ourselves to be allured by distant and inferior objects and may even feel for them a passionate love but that occurs only when they have something more than their natural condition and when some perfection descends on them from on high just as the bodies while containing a light mingled with their substance nevertheless need illumination by some other light to bring out their colors so the intelligible entities in spite of the light that they contain need to receive some other more powerful light so as to become visible both for themselves and for others good consists in illumination by the extreme twenty two when the soul perceives the light thus shed by the good on the intelligible entities she flies towards them tasting an indescribable bliss in the contemplation of the light that illuminates them likewise here below we do not like the bodies for themselves but for the beauty that shimmers in them each intelligible entity owes its nature to none but to itself but it only becomes desirable when the good so to speak illuminates and colors it breathing grace into the desired object and inspiring love into the desiring heart as soon as the soul reacts to the influence of the good she feels emotion swells with fancy is stung by desire and love is born within her before reacting to the influence of good she feels no transports when facing the beauty of intelligence, for this beauty is dead so long as it is not irradiated by the good. Consequently, the soul still remains depressed and bowed down, cold and torpid, in front of intelligence. But as soon as she feels the gentle warmth of the good, she is refreshed she awakes and spreads her wings and instead of stopping to admire the intelligence in front of her she rises by the aid of reminiscence to a still higher principle the first so long as there is anything superior to what she possesses she rises allured by her natural leaning for the inspirer of love so she passes through the region of intelligence and stops at the good because there is nothing beyond so long as she contemplates intelligence she surely enjoys a noble and magnificent spectacle but she does not yet fully possess the object of her search such would be a human countenance which in spite of its beauty is not attractive for lack of the charm of grace. Beauty is indeed rather the splendour that inhalos proportion, than proportion itself, and it is properly this splendour which challenges love. Why, indeed, does beauty shine radiantly on the face of a living person, and yet leave hardly a trace after death? even when the complexion and features are not yet marred why among different statues do the most lifelike ones seem more beautiful than others that may be better proportioned why is a living being though ugly more beautiful than a pictured one even though the latter were the most handsome imaginable the secret is that the living form seems to us most desirable because it possesses a living soul because it is most assimilated to the good because the soul is colored by the light of the good and because enlightened by the good she is more wakeful and lighter and because in her turn she lightens the burdens awakes and causes participation of the good so far as she may be able in the body within which she resides the supreme is the good because of his supremacy twenty three since it is this principle which the soul pursues which illuminates intelligence and whose least trace arouses in us so great an emotion there is no ground for astonishment if it possess the power of exerting its fascination on all beings and if all rest in him without seeking anything beyond if indeed everything proceeds from this principle then there is nothing better and everything else is below him now how could the best of beings fail to be the good if the good be entirely self-sufficient, and have need of nothing else, what could it be except the one who was what he is before all other things, when evil did not yet exist? If all evils be posterior to him, if they exist only in the objects that in no way participate in the good, and which occupy the last rank, if no evil exist among the intelligibles and if there be nothing worse than evil just as there is nothing better than the good then evils are in complete opposition to this principle and it could be nothing else to deny the existence of the good we would also have to deny the existence of evil and the result would be a complete indifference of choice between any two particular things which is absurd all other things called good refer to him while he refers to nothing else the good as creator and preserver but if this be the nature of the good what does he do he made intelligence and life by the intermediation of intelligence he made the souls and all the other beings that participate in intelligence, in reason or in life. Moreover, who could express the goodness of him who is their source and principle? But what is he doing at the present time? He preserves what he has begotten. He inspires the thought in those who think he vivifies the living by his spirit he imparts to all beings intelligence and life and to those who are unable to receive life at least existence many further questions about the good for the individual it is illumination twenty four and what is he doing for us to answer this question we would still have to explain the light by which intelligence is illuminated and in which the soul participates but we shall have to postpone this discussion and mention various other questions which may be asked is the good goodness and does it receive this name because it is desirable for some being is that which is desirable for some being the good of this being and do we call the good that which is desirable for all beings is being desirable not rather a simple characteristic of the good and must not that which is desirable have a nature such that it would deserve the name of good besides do the beings that desire the good desire it because they receive from it something or merely because possession thereof causes bliss if they do receive something from it what does it consist of if the possession of the good give them joy why should their joy come from possession of the good rather than from possession of anything else is the good such by what is characteristic of it or by something else is the good an attribute of some other being or is the good good for itself must not the good rather be good for others without being good for itself for whom anyway is the good good for there is a certain nature matter for which nothing is good attributing good to life is only the result of fear of death nor can we ignore an objection raised by an opponent who is difficult to convince plato's philebus well my friends what then is this entity that you celebrate in such pompous terms ceaselessly repeating that life and intelligence are goods although you said that the good is above them what sort of a good might the intellect be what sort of a good should a man have who thinks the ideas themselves contemplating everything in itself perhaps indeed a man when he enjoys these ideas and contemplations might be deceived into calling them a good merely because he happened to be in pleasant circumstances but should these circumstances become unpleasant on what grounds would he call them a good merely because they possess existence but what pleasure or benefit could this afford him if he did not consider self-love as the foundation thereof what difference could there be for him between existence and non existence. It is therefore to this natural physical error of self love, and to the fear of death, that we must trace the cause of the ascription of good to intelligence and life. Plato's answer to Philebus there are two goods, the human and the universal. Twenty-five. plato therefore mingled the good with pleasure and did not posit the good exclusively in intelligence as he wrote in the philebus appreciating this difficulty he very rightly decided on one hand that good did not consist in pleasure alone and on the other that it did not consist in intelligence alone inasmuch as he failed to discover in it anything to arouse our desire. Perhaps Plato had still another motive in calling the good a mixture, because he thought that with such a nature the good is necessarily full of charm, desirable both for the seeker and the finder. Whence it would result that he who is not charmed has not found the good, and that if he who desires be not happy he evidently does not yet possess the good it is not without a reason that plato formed this conception of the good for he was not seeking to determine the universal good but the good of man and as such human good refers to man who is a being different from the absolute good then it becomes for him something different from the good in itself, and would therefore be defective and composite. That is why, according to Plato, that which is alone and single has no good, but is good in another and a higher sense. The Aristotelian Supreme Good The good must then be desirable, but it is good not because it is desirable but it is desirable because it is good thus in the order of beings rising from the last to the first it will be found that the good of each of them is in the one immediately preceding so long as this ascending scale remain proportionate and increasing then. We will stop at him who occupies the supreme rank beyond which there is nothing more to seek that is the first the veritable the sovereign good the author of all goodness in other beings the good of matter is form for if matter became capable of sensation it would receive it with pleasure the good of the body is the soul for without her it could neither exist nor last the good of the soul is virtue and then higher weights intelligence last the good of intelligence is the principle called the primary nature each of these goods produces something within the object whose good it is it confers order and beauty as form does on matter or life as the soul does on the body, or wisdom and happiness, as intelligence does on soul. Last, the good communicates to intelligence its influx and actualization, emanating from the good, and shedding on intelligence what has been called the light of the good. The nature of this we shall study later. The true good implies a counterfeit good. 26. Recognition of goodness and so-called possession thereof consists of enjoyment of the presence of good by the being who has received from nature the faculty of sensation. How could it make a mistake about the matter? The possibility of its being deceived implies the existence of some counterfeit, in this case the error of this being was caused by that which resembled its good for this being withdraws from what had deceived it as soon as the good presents itself the existence of a particular good for each being is demonstrated by its desire and inclination doubtless the inanimate being receives its good from without but in the animated being the desire spontaneously starts to pursue the good that is why lifeless bodies are the objects of solicitude and care of living beings while the living beings watch over themselves the good cannot be pleasure which is changeable and restless now when a being has attained the good it was pursuing it is sure of possessing it as soon as it feels that it is better feels no regret is satisfied takes pleasure therein and seeks nothing beyond what shows the insufficiency of pleasure is that one does not always like the same thing doubtless pleasure ever charms but the object which produces it is not the same it is always the newest object that pleases most now the good to which we aspire must not be a simple affection existing only in him who feels it for he who mistakes this affection for the good remains unsatisfied he has nothing but an affection that somebody else might equally feel in presence of the good consequently no one will succeed in making himself enjoy a pleasure he has not achieved such as for instance rejoicing in the presence of an absent son or for a glutton to relish imaginary food or for a lover to tremble at the touch of his absent mistress or to thrill in a theoretic orgasm a thing's good is its form or its intimacy with itself. Twenty seven. What is the essential of a being's nature? Form. Matter achieves recognition through its form, and a soul's destiny is realized by the virtue which is its form. Next, we may ask whether this form be a good for a being merely because it suits its nature. Does desire pursue that which is suitable to it or not? No. A being is suited by its like. Now, though a being seek and love its like, its possession does not imply the possession of its good. Are we, then, not implying that something is suitable to a being on the strength of its being the good of that being? The determination of what is suitable to a being belongs to the superior being of whom the lower being is a potentiality. When a being is the potentiality of some other, the being needs the other. Now the being which it needs, because it is superior, is, by that very fact, its good. Of all things matter is the most indigent, and the form suitable to it is the last of all. But above it one may gradually ascend. Consequently, if a being be good for itself, so much the more will it consider good, what is its perfection and form, namely the being that is better than it because of a superior nature, and of supplying the good of the lower being but why should that which a being receives from a superior being be its good is it not this because it is eminently suited to it no it is so merely because it is a portion of the good that is why the purest and best beings are those that have most intimacy with themselves Besides, it is absurd to seek the cause why what is good is good for itself, as if by the mere fact of its being good, it should betray its own nature, and not love itself. Nevertheless, speaking of simple beings, it might be asked whether a being which does not contain several things different from each other either possesses intimacy with itself, or can be good for itself pleasure may accompany the good, but the good is independent thereof. Now, if all that has been said be right, it is only a gradual upward analysis that reveals the good that is suitable to the nature of any being. Desire does not constitute the good, but is born from its presence. Those who acquire the good receive something from it. Pleasure accompanies the acquirement of good. But even should pleasure not accompany the good, the good should, nonetheless, be chosen and sought for its own sake. Matter is improved by form, the dream of the good. 28. Let us consider the implications of the principles we have studied. If that, which a being receives as good be everywhere a form if the good of matter be a form we might ask ourselves whether matter granting it here the faculty of volition would even wish to be a form such a wish would be tantamount to a wish to be destroyed but matter could not wish this for every being seeks its own good but perhaps matter might not wish to be matter but simply to be essence possessing which matter would wish to free itself from all the evil within it but how can that which is evil for such is the nature of matter desire the good besides we are not attributing desire to matter itself it was only to meet the exigencies of the discussion that we employed the hypothesis which accorded sensibility to matter if indeed it can be granted to matter without destroying its nature we have at least shown that when form has come as a dream of the good to unite itself to matter the latter found itself in a better condition matter is not wickedness but neutral evil all we have said above goes on the assumption that matter is the evil but if it were something else as for instance malice and if the essence of matter were to receive sensation would intimacy with what is better still be the good of matter but if it were not the malice itself of matter which choose the good it was what had become evil in matter. If the essence of matter were identical with evil, how could matter wish to possess this good? Would evil love itself if it had self-consciousness? But how could that which is not lovable be loved? For we have demonstrated that a being's good does not consist in that which is suitable to it. Enough about this, however. The good is a nature which possesses no kind of form itself. But if the good be everywhere a form, if in the measure that one rises along the ladder of beings there is a progression in the form, for the soul is more of a form than the form of the body, in the soul herself, there are graduated forms and intelligence is more of a form than the soul the good follows a progression evidently inverse to that of matter the good exists in that which is purified and freed from matter and exists there in proportion to its purity from matter so it exists in the highest degree in that which lays aside all materiality. Finally, the good in itself being entirely separated from all matter, or rather, never having had any contact with it, constitutes a nature which has no kind of form, and from which proceeds the first form, intelligence. But of this, more later. THE INDEPENDENCE OF THE GOOD FROM PLEASURE PROVED BY THE TEMPERATE MAN. twenty nine. SUPPOSING, THEN, THAT THE PLEASURE DOES NOT ACCOMPANY THE GOOD, BUT THAT ANTERIOR TO PLEASURE THERE HAVE EXISTED SOMETHING WHICH WOULD HAVE NATURALLY GIVEN RISE TO IT BECAUSE OF ITS GOODNESS. WHY, THEN, MIGHT NOT THE GOOD BE CONSIDERED LOVABLE? But the mere assertion that good is lovable already implies that it is accompanied by pleasure. But supposing now that the good could exist without being lovable, and consequently not accompanied by pleasure. In that case, even in presence of the good, the being that possesses sensibility will not know that the good is present what would however hinder a being from knowing the presence of the good without feeling any emotion at its possession which would exactly represent the case of the temperate man who lacks nothing the result would be that pleasure could not be suitable to the first being not only because he is simple but also because pleasure results from the acquisition of what is lacking and the first lacks nothing, therefore could not feel pleasure. Even scorn of life implies the existence of the good. But in order that this truth may appear in its full light, we shall first have to clear away all the other opinions, and especially have to refute the teaching opposite to ours. This is the question asked of us. What will be the fruit gathered by him who has the intelligence necessary to acquire one of these goods, such as existence and life, if on hearing them named he be not impressed thereby, because he does not understand them, either because they seem to him no more than words, or because his conception of each of these things should differ from our view of them? or because in his search for the good he seeks some sense-object such as wealth or the like the person who thus scorns these things existence and life thereby implicitly recognizes that there is within him a certain good but that without knowing in what it consists he nevertheless values these things according to his own notion of the good for it is impossible to say that is not the good without having some sort of knowledge of the good or acquaintance therewith the above speaker seems to betray a suspicion that the good in itself is above intelligence besides if in considering the good in itself or the good which most approaches it he do not discern it he will nevertheless succeed in getting a conception of it by its contraries. Otherwise he would not even know that the lack of intelligence is an evil, though every man desire to be intelligent, and glory in being such, as is seen by the sensations which aspire to become notions. If intelligence, and especially primary intelligence, be beautiful and venerable, what admiration might not then be felt by him who could contemplate the generating principle, the father of intelligence? Consequently, he who affects to scorn existence and life receives a refutation from himself, and from all the affections he feels. They who are disgusted of life are those who consider not the true life, but the life which is mingled with death. End of Eniad Six, VI, Book Seven, Part Three.